This is the Missing Pieces Podcast. We're back. Non scale sed vitae discumus. That's Latin for we learn not for school, but for life. That's the dream, and that's what the Missing Pieces Podcast is about. My name is Jamie Richards, and I wrote the book Missing Pieces, 52 Vital Lessons Our Kids Should Be Learning at School but aren't. On the Missing Pieces podcast, we examine what is actually being taught during those precious hours when kids are inside the classroom, what isn't being taught that should be taught, and if we're adding lessons, how do we fit them in? What should we take out? I said we're back. Well, I'm back. Atosh is now a full-time middle school computer science teacher in Oakland. Congratulations to him, and congratulations to his students. They're so lucky to be learning comp sci in middle school and have Atosh as their teacher. And of course, I'll be checking in with Atosh from time to time to get an update on how his first year of teaching is going and to hear his takes on the current state of education. So back in 2011, I was still writing a column for the East Bay Times. That's a newspaper. Remember those? And in May of that year, I published a piece called Perfect Girls. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Now, seven years later, here on the Missing Pieces podcast, I want to revisit that topic with someone who would fit the description of a perfect girl. Her name is Anna Chen. I'll tell you about her in a minute. But first I want to share that I'm concerned that my use of the word perfect could be misinterpreted. Just don't, don't misinterpret it. I often use that word as a synonym for great, wonderful, or fabulous. So don't get all bent out of shape thinking I'm putting undue pressure on anyone to be perfect. I just like to use it as a compliment to the most very special people I know and Anna is that kind of very special person. Second, I want to mention that I've been really struggling with finding the correct word to explain my admiration for my female Asian students. I tried to find an English word that is kind of the opposite of racist, but nothing seemed to fit. Racist has such a negative connotation So does prejudice, but what I feel is technically that, but in a positive way. I think I was looking for a word that would loosely translate as admiring a certain race, ethnicity, or gender, but I couldn't find that. I couldn't find a word. If you can help me out with either an English word or a word from another language, enlighten me, please. Okay. I'm sure I'm going to be lambasted for the title of this podcast, which is Why Asian Girls Should Run the World. So before anyone goes completely crazy about it, let me explain where I'm coming from. First, I'm a Caucasian man. Second, full disclosure, I'm married to an Asian woman, at least technically. My wife is from the Philippines. She says that she isn't Asian, that she's a Pacific Islander. But the Pacific Islands are not a continent. Asia is. 
But that's an argument I stopped having a long time ago with her. I just can't win it. Third, I've been teaching for over three decades in California's Bay Area. My classes have always been exceptionally multicultural. I love that. However, at the last school, I taught a disproportionate number of students who were Asian and South Asian, and I'm aware that this may have tilted my thinking, but I'm not convinced that it has. Fourth, class after class, year after year, my top students are Asian females. I don't just mean that they always got the highest grades, although that was often the case. They also were the best listeners, they're the hardest workers, the most creative, they contribute the most to my class, they even tend to be my kindness and most compassionate students. Fifth, not every Asian female student walks on water. I've had my share of Asian females that weren't the greatest and best performers. And I've also had stupendous non-Asian female students who I've loved, admired, and respected. But again, a disproportionate number of my best students have been Asian females. My wife and I joke about it. Once, for fun, I told my students only to put a code number on an assignment, no name. Then I collected their papers and I gave them to my wife and had her pick out the ones that she felt showed the best effort, intelligence, creativity, and had the best overall quality. And sure enough, each paper she picked out turned out to be the work of an Asian female. Therefore, I'm ready to argue my assertion with anyone that Asian girls, Asian women, at least a large percentage of them, a disproportionate number of them, should run the world. All right, about today's guest, Anna Chen. She's an Asian girl, well, woman now. She's a 20-year-old, third-year pre-med student at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Obviously, she's fantastic, or I wouldn't have chosen to interview her for this podcast. But with all due respect to her, she's not a crazy outlier superwoman. She didn't have a perfect SAT score. She wasn't a valedictorian. She wasn't a class president or even a class officer. Anna was on the swim team, but she didn't set any records. She stood out in my class because of her focus, commitment, willingness to do more than expected, her work ethic, curiosity, and her warm spirit, traits commonly found in successful, positively impactful people everywhere, but traits that I see over and over in Asian American females. The question is, why? Why are Asian American females such wonderful students and people? More importantly, what can we learn from Anna to help us nurture better students and better people? If we listen closely, if we really pay attention to what she's saying, we can learn a lot. So I asked Anna, point blank, why is it, do you think, that Asian female students stand out so much? And I also asked her another question that has been gnawing at me ever since I saw the movie Crazy Rich Asians. But before we get to those questions, I'm going to play some snippets of our catch-up conversation. When I got a hold of her, I asked her how the start of her third year of college was going. And I think a lot of how she answered will give you a clue that she is truly special in a great way. 
This conversation was taped as I was driving south to Los Angeles on Interstate 5. Anna was in Baltimore on the Johns Hopkins campus. The start of this semester is worse than I usually have it just because of like, like all the clubs that I had joined like early on in college. I'm like now on like the leadership team instead of just being a regular member. Oh, yeah, I have yeah. to like do all of the planning, like make the poster for the fair and like think about how to recruit members and then like, conduct all the interviews and then do like the training sessions and then plan the first meeting and like book all the rooms and like stuff like that. And it's just like, it's so like hectic and like, I'm just like, you know, yeah. like reaching out to like people in the community to plan out our projects. And like, it's just very overwhelming on top of that. I'm like doing research at the lab and I'm just starting out with that. And like all of the research awards, like the, grants that you can apply to are all due in the beginning of the school year so I'm like writing a bunch of these like research proposals and then and then volunteering starting up and it's just very like there's just a lot going on right now so there you have it evidence number one successful people like Anna tend to get involved as college students they don't just take classes and party they join clubs take leadership positions in those clubs, or in Anna's case, even start clubs. And they don't have a lot of free time. Anna's schedule is very full. I remember my mom once telling me when I was complaining that maybe I had too much to do. She said, Jamie, if your day is jam-packed with interesting activities that you've chosen to do, that's good. It means you're really living. And then on top of that, there's class of course um and like still trying to like figure out like what I guess like like what are the ways to succeed in like each of these classes like some of them like the teachers teach in like different ways so I'm just trying to yeah like figure that out I don't know it's just like it's always like stressful and like because, like, once you're, like, in the middle of the semester, like, everything's pretty routine. Like, you know exactly what a teacher wants in, like, a paper or something. And you don't have to put in, like, that much extra effort, like, going crazy above and beyond because, like, you know that, like, you, like, know what they want, right? But I feel like, yeah. like, I'm, like, such a perfectionist that, like, I feel like I need to cover, like, every single possible base. So then, like, like when I don't really know, like, what, like, the professor is looking for, like, I end up just, like writing everything or like doing everything and it's like very overwhelming because I'm taking like six classes so it's like not feasible with my time to be doing that but it's just there right like this week has been really overwhelming and it's not even a full week like we had Labor Day off so next week is the first full week but it definitely has been hectic but I do like enjoy it I feel like I'm pretty productive when I have so much going on I'm such a perfectionist, Anna says. I want to consider that for a moment. Often, people that are perfectionists are perceived as being unhealthy. But I haven't seen it that way. It can be unhealthy if taken to the extreme. But in Anna's case, as she even says, I do enjoy it. I'm pretty productive when I have so much going on. This is a quality that I often see in Asian American females just the desire to do your best work. I think it's great. And how about Anna trying to figure out at the beginning of the semester 
what exactly a teacher wants. And until she has it figured out, she does way more than expected. That's so the opposite of what I see in most students who do the least amount at the beginning of the year, hoping it'll be good enough, and then finding out that it isn't, and then adjusting upward. Whereas Anna starts out at the max, and if anything, she adjusts downward. Next, Anna and I talked about her number one goal right now, which is getting into medical school. All of like the top medical, like my top choice medical schools, I'm like looking at their average MCAT score for like incoming class, and it's always like 99th percentile. It like drives me crazy. Like, how can yeah. your average be 99th percentile? I don't know. It yeah. just like it blows my mind. Maybe they're lying. Like, I don't know. Like, and then they like av- like the average GPA of like Johns Hopkins Medical School is like 3.92. That's like. You basically have to get A's and like everything. You can't like you have like more A's than A minuses basically, and you have like no B's. That's like basically what a three point nine two is, and that's like the yeah. average. And I'm thinking like, well, like as an Asian, I probably have to do even better than that to like make myself stand out amongst the other Asians. But it's just I don't know. It's just crazy. Like I don't even know. Like I'm on track for the GPA, but I don't know if I can like. Yeah, do, you'll like, be fine. Ninety-nine percent. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to look 10 years ahead, and I'm going to see Dr. Chen. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's funny that you say that because, like, I was actually writing, like, so I'm taking this management class for my business minor, and the professor wanted us to write, like, a biography, except, like, for, like, 20 years later, like, when you're looking back, or, like, 30 yeah. years later when you're looking back, so, like, he knows, like, what our, like, goals are and stuff, so, wow. like, so he was, like, yeah, like, like, if you want to be a doctor, like, write yourself as, like, doctor so-and-so, so I was, like, writing, like, Dr. Chen, and I was, like, wow, that, that has a nice ring to it. <laughs> yeah, sounds cool, I like it. Yeah. But, Did you say what kind of doctor you'd be? Yeah, so I wrote about, like, a lot of like random stuff that kind of interests me that not that I expect myself to be able to do it all but like I wrote about how like I want to be like like a reconstruct like surgeon and like reconstruction like post-surgeon post-trauma reconstruction like people who like get into like a car accident or like a burn accident or have like reconstruction from like or have like surgery for like oh yeah yeah I remember stuff. now yeah I remember you yeah yeah that. Okay. and I talked about how like I would be, like, interested in, like, if I worked at, like, a hospital, I'd be interested in, like, like, leading, like, within the hospital, like, a group of, like, maybe, like, staff or, like, physicians who want to, like, have, like, head, like, sustainability initiatives, like, in the operating room, like, so things like, you know, like, changing, like, the operation room lights to be, like, LED, so it's more environmentally friendly and making sure that, we like don't use like tools with like mercury in it or like things like that um and then i also talked about how i'd want to like have my own like research lab because i do a lot of research now and i'm like pretty interested in it and i hope that i can do it in the future like a a lot of doctors at hopkins at least are like physician scientists which means they see patients but they also do their own research at labs So I'd be interested in doing, like, research on, like, how to, like, improve surgical methods and stuff or, like, how to 
have like low cost surgery tools for like that like work well for like hospitals in developing countries and stuff and I like to like make trips like maybe like every year every two years to like try to like implement those ideas in like hospitals in like underprivileged areas so people can have better health care there but that's basically what I wrote about and obviously like I don't expect myself to have the time to do all of that but that's like stuff that I'm interested in. This is why I'm certain Anna is going to get into medical school. Most aspiring doctors, they have a vague idea of getting into medical school and then figuring out what kind of medicine they want to practice. But she already is thinking so deeply and widely and specifically about what she wants to accomplish in the medical profession. I also love the idea of that business professor having her write down where she sees herself in 10 years. I think that's a super valuable exercise for all of us. Next, I asked Anna if after she becomes an official MD, would she be willing to come to Nicaragua on one of our service trips to help out, especially with those kids who can't afford to see a doctor? Yeah, I want to. I like, I, I actually want to. Like, I really want to do like because I'm graduating semester early and I want to do abroad that semester but not like go to England and like study like literature or something I want to do like a developing country sort of like volunteering abroad thing but, yeah you'd be so good yeah. at that did I ever tell you my glasses story when I was in Nicaragua no I don't think you ever did okay so I think it was the second time I was there and I was sitting in the classroom when all the kids are kind of introducing themselves to us. And it must have been like 40 kids. And I'm looking around and I turned to one of the students that was with me and I said, you must have really good eyes in Nicaragua because nobody wears glasses. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the guy that's from Nicaragua that was with me, he goes, that's because they never get their eyes checked. Nobody even knows if they need glasses. Uh-huh. I'm oh, so oh stupid. God, yeah. It's like so naive. It's like, yeah. So just that kind of thing that they, it was this real rural area. They don't have any access to medical care. Nobody's right, going to come in exactly. and check them. It might have been a third of them could have used glasses, but nobody would ever yeah. even check their eyes or anything. It's so sad. But, That's yeah. so true. When I was shadowing um, the surgeon, she does like, oculoplastics which is like plastic surgery on people's eyes to like so she like removes like tumors in people's eyes and she like reconstructs like eyelids after tumor surgery and she does a bunch of like that stuff but like every year she goes to Ethiopia and she goes there and she does surgery and then she like trains the nurses there to like do some basic surgeries like glaucoma surgery and like stuff like that so like which is like very simple by our standards. Like glaucoma surgery is like such a like such a or like cataract surgery is like such a basic like surgery uh-huh. that you don't really need somebody like super skilled to do it. But like over there, like it's like the difference between somebody being blind and like being able to see. So I think it's yeah. like really awesome that she's like there and she's like doing this stuff like all like not charging anybody any money only because she wants to do it. Also, she's like training people there so that even when she's gone like she's making an impact because people are getting their sight restored by other people that she trained. You can tell a lot about people by paying attention to the kind of people they admire and respect. 
and that Anna has such great admiration for this ophthalmologist who does free eye surgery in a developing part of Africa and then trains other people on how to do it, just tells you all you need to know about the type of person that Anna wants to become. All right, I think we've clearly established that Anna is a superior person. So I put the question to her, why is it that you specifically stand out so much in a positive way and why in general Asian girls do as well? I guess specifically for Asian girls in general, I think that, well, like in high school, like I find that a lot of boys are very immature. So I don't think that they completely understand like the meaning of working super hard or like the meaning of like achieving and like feeling proud of that achievement because you did something great I think like a lot of guys like a lot of my guy friends in high school were just like like there to like have a good time you know and like they were kind of like if they did work really hard I'm not saying like every guy's like this but a lot of guys like all my guy friends who like did like work really hard and like do well in school and stuff is because their parents really did like force them into it like were like really like strict about it and like would punish them if they didn't do that so like so I think like I don't know just in general I feel like parents tend to go I don't want to like make a generalization but parents like tend to be like softer on their daughters I think and I think that like at least for me that has like an impact on the way I see my parents so I don't see them as like this like awful power that's like looming over me that's going to punish me if I do something wrong or like bad but I see it as like like they are like trying to like nurture me to be the best I can be so like my motivation is no longer like I'll be punished if I do bad it's not like live up to like how much effort my parents put into me and like how many resources and opportunities they gave me and like it wouldn't be right for me to like not do my best because they had like poured their hearts and souls in for me basically so like that's like how I think and like what really like drives me is like how like happy my parents are when I do really well or like and that in itself makes me happy and I guess like like when you are on a trend of like always trying to like do your best you start to not settle for anything less than that so I guess like from the beginning it's just that like girls are more mature than guys are and then like in the Asian culture like I think parents, like, sacrifice, like, I mean, all parents sacrifice a lot, but, like, I think specifically, like, in Asian culture, parents sacrifice, like, almost anything for, like, their kids to have a good education and to achieve their very highest and reach their full potential. So, like, at least I know my parents do that. So, like, I feel like because of that, I have, like, an internal motivation to work hard. It's not because they punish me if I don't or anything, but it's just, like, I just do it because that's what, like, my parents deserve. And, like, that's a way of, like, me showing that I'm grateful for all that. And then after you end up doing that for a long time, it just becomes a habit. Like, you can't see yourself do bad work because you're just like, wow, this is terrible. This is not me. Like, so I just end up always trying to give out my best work, I guess. Also, like, having parents that work really hard also makes a big difference. Um, because, like, as we grow up, like, our parents are our greatest.
greatest role models and to see like how much they value hard work and how much they value education and like themselves working really hard has a big impact on the way like I view things like I know that like because my mom is like high achieving she like works really hard I know that that is my vision for myself like I don't expect myself in the future like quit my job stay at home and like be okay with that like I feel like even though like I know that stay at home moms like sacrifice a lot for their kids and I mean, that in itself is like a full-time job because being a mom is so hard. I just know that like I would want to make a greater difference like in society, not just for my family, because I feel like I see my mom doing that and she's like a role model for me and I want to be a role model for like my kids or like my daughter or like whatever. So I don't know if that like makes any sense, but I think that's why I work really hard. Yeah. What does your mom do? So my mom. I should know, um, but I forgot. Yeah, so she she works at Genentech, which is like a biopharmaceutical company, and they come out with a lot of the top cancer drugs. Like if you search up like most cancer treatments like right now, like that require like an actual drug dosage is usually put out by Genentech. But yeah, okay. so like she works on like basically cancer drug discovery and stuff like that. My mom, like, could have, like, not worked so hard, but I think she definitely did it partly because she wanted to be a good role model to me. And I know she always, like, apologized for not being able to, like, be part of, like, the PTA and stuff like that or, like, be, like, chaperone for my field trips and stuff. But, like, I always feel like it's, like, that those times are, like, they're really important for kids. But for me, like, it matters more that she showed me, like, how hardworking and independent and high achieving like a woman can be, even while being a good mom. Okay, if you weren't taking notes, don't worry, because I was. So much of success is intertwined between the child and the parent. But I'm going to separate the two for a moment. First, let's look at what students can learn from Anna. A. She's a hard worker who originally was that way because she wanted to please her parents who were hardworking role models for her, especially her mom. Students, do you have anyone like this in your life? I mean, do you have someone you can look up to that you want to please? I don't see this as a bad thing at all, especially for younger kids. B. After Anna got into the habit of achieving, she didn't break it. After a while, it wasn't about pleasing her parents anymore. It was about pleasing herself. In her words, she became internally motivated. The lesson here, I believe, is that when you start out being externally motivated, you often end up becoming internally motivated. So it's not a bad thing for, for kids to be externally motivated by rewards and praise. Sooner or later, that becomes intrinsic. I also thought it was extremely enlightening that Anna said it was more important for her to see her mom working hard at her career than it would have been for her mom to attend PTA meetings and go on field trips, which is contrary to a lot of our Western parenting ideas, isn't it? Next, I asked Anna about the movie Crazy Rich Asians, especially about one part. I love how the film explored the Asian idea that family honor and taking care of the family should supersede selfish desires, or as Eleanor 
sort of disparagingly put it to Rachel, finding your passion. I've always taught my students to do exactly that. Find what interests you and pursue that. Don't go after things just to make your family happy. You have to do what makes you happy. But after watching that particular scene, I started to wonder, is finding your passion the right thing to do? I wasn't sure. But Anna cleared that up for me with what I thought was a brilliant answer. I definitely, like my mom and dad definitely raised me to like decide what I'm interested in and like pursue my own passions. And I know that like I just happen to be passionate about a field that many Asian parents would be happy for their kids to be going into. But like I know that if I wasn't interested in medicine, like my parents would totally be okay with it. I know they'd probably be worried if I told them I wanted to like go into like painting or something just because they like want to make sure that I'm like financially independent. But um, I definitely think my like my parents have always been very supportive about me like pursuing my own dream or like passion or whatever. Um, but like I think traditionally in Asian culture, um, a lot has been about like sacrificing for your family and that is a very like traditional viewpoint. I think nowadays in Asia, not a lot of people still think that way, but there's still like, um, I guess like underlying views that like, for example, like women should give up their passions for um, family more than men should, or like it would be viewed as like selfish sometimes um, in, in like Asian culture, if you're like a woman and you, for example, hire like a nanny because you work full time and then your kids don't get to spend time with you and stuff like I feel like some Asians would view that as like you're being selfish as a mom because you're you're not willing to give up your career or your passions like for your kids um but like I don't think a lot of people still think that way and like I guess like the way that I kind of like think about it is that like, as human beings, we kind of need to do what we love or, like, follow our passions in order to be happy. And I don't think you can truly, like, treat your family well if you are not yourself happy with yourself. So, like, I know, like, I read a lot about, like, for example, like, in psychology, like, how, like, some men in their middle ages get, like, a midlife crisis. Like, that is not good for their family they're clearly like unhappy with the way they're living and like the impact on their family is also very negative like my dad went through like a similar experience where he wasn't happy with his career and it like really like screwed up our family dynamic and like my parents were fighting every day and it was it just like made me think about how like if you're not truly happy and confident in yourself like you're not going to be able to treat your loved ones well you're not going to be able to be supportive because you're always going to be insecure and I guess that's not that big of an issue in traditional Chinese culture just because women have already put themselves at the situation where like I was born to raise kids and I shouldn't really have any passions of my own but like now definitely like I can see myself being frustrated with myself if I didn't take every opportunity I could get to further my passions and make the difference that I want to see in the world and I just feel like I wouldn't be able to be like a good wife or daughter or mom if I was always constantly 
frustrated with myself or the way my life was going. So I think that like pursuing your passions is a, a long like parallel on the same road, I guess, as like being there for your family. Obviously, there has to be times where you're willing to sacrifice like an opportunity to like stay with your family. You're willing to take off from work, you know, like stay with your kids if like the nanny is gone or something. But I just I don't think that they're completely mutually exclusive. But yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> How'd you get to be so smart? You get to go back to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tell I don't, mom, I don't thank know. You. But I, de- I definitely thought about that too because I think in Asian culture there's a lot about sacrifice and not thinking so much about yourself. But I I think that in order to be like a truly loving human being, you have to also love yourself. Like I can't see you being able to treat other people really great if you don't have that self-confidence and if you don't have that, I don't know, self-esteem or something like that. But yeah, so I think both are important. You can't like always go after your own passions either because in the end, I've also read about hospice care workers. They they have talked to some of their like dying patients and Nobody ever says, oh, I wish I could have started this company or, oh, my God, I wish I made, like, six figures instead of, you know, however much I made. Everybody talks about, like, I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish I did more charity work. I wish I enjoyed nature more and things like that. So I just feel like there, like, has to be a balance between pursuing in your career, like, what you really love and like all sacrificing that sometimes to have time with your family or do what's right for your family. It's not really just about Anna being an Asian female. It's about her being a compassionate hard worker who is already improving the world just by being in it. And her positive impact will only increase as she continues to grow and mature. Still, there's much we can learn from Anna and the culture in which she was raised. Parents, care about your kids. Anna said her mother would do whatever she could to help her. And students, work hard, have role models, set goals, and get involved. I love what Anna said about finding your passion. That if you don't, if you're unhappy with your life, it's not gonna help your family. You being sad, frustrated, or unfulfilled will have a negative effect on those you love, no matter how much money you make. It is working out well for Anna because her passion, medicine, is certainly an acceptable career aim in the Asian community. Well, any community. Yet, she did say that her parents would have supported her no matter what she chose. And even though they might have been worried about her if she had chosen the arts or something where getting paid is an issue, I get that. Being concerned about your kid's financial health is not unique to the Asian community. Thank you to Anna Chen for being a person in my life who magnifies my spirit. And don't you agree, if Anna was running the world, wouldn't we all be a little better off? And thank you for listening to the Missing Pieces podcast. At the beginning of the show, I said we're back because it has been a while. I've had some major issues in my life. Since May, my big brother JT was killed in a freak accident. I retired from full-time public school teaching and I'm now focused on writing in this podcast. And now I'm flying back and forth from California where my daughter is expecting her second child any day now and Michigan where my mom is in hospice care. 
I'm extraordinarily attuned to both ends of life these days. I'm definitely living in the moment. Okay, now that I've shared that, I'm out. Keep doing all you can to fill in the missing pieces in our children's education. Because now, more than ever, the world needs them and the world needs you. All right, I'll talk to you soon.